Well, good morning once again to everyone. Um, we have uh, an interesting collection of, of readings here for us. We have the, um, the great celebration of the, the Ark of the Covenant coming into Jerusalem with David and the people dancing and, and, and celebrating joyously. We have the stratospheric description there in Ephesians about uh, God and Jesus Christ and the blessing that has come through Jesus to us, God's favor working through Jesus for us. All of that joy, all of that rejoicing, all of that sort of uh, high, 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 high theology. And then we have a gruesome, violent, and disturbing story of the beheading of John the Baptist. Now, I think we should be shocked at the brutality of this story, of its cruel machinations, the manipulations, the conspiracy, the perversity of this story. The daughter, Salome, as she is known, possibly 12 years old, 13 years old. One wonders what sort of dance this child, in our understanding, a child, does for a room full of men. These are the centurions, the, the, the leaders, right? They're probably on their eighth, ninth bottle of wine. So God knows what is going on in this story and all that is happening and all that should be, should be disturbing to us. And one of the things that is most disturbing, I believe, is that this story is told and there's apparently it seems no redemption whatsoever in the story. You have a man executed, beheaded, the head brought in on a platter, and that's the end of it. The disciples, his disciples, take his body, and we're done. The story says, contrary to Herod's guilt-haunted conscience, John the Baptist has not been risen from the dead. His tomb has not been emptied. His mangled body has not been made whole. What the gospel writer has given us, in a sense, brothers and sisters, is Good Friday, drained of its theology. Mark has asked us to look upon the world's ugliness, to look and not turn away. Today's message may as well be, truth lies slain, and the wicked rejoice in their victory. The story of Herod and John, Herodias, and Salome plainly tells us that speaking truth to power, that phrase that rolls off the tongues of so many, let's speak truth to power. Speaking truth to power can come with a cost. In this story, you can quite literally lose your head and thereby your life. You can end up in a prison where the powers that be have thrown away the keys. You can, as so often happens today in our own world, disappear 
and never be found. Your family never hear of you again, speaking truth to power. But yet, yet, truth must be spoken. It cannot remain unsaid. In today's case, the truth was found in the ancient book of Leviticus. It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, John told Herod, thus putting him at odds with Herodias, who will exact her revenge for this insult. For who was John to point out the truth in the fact that Herod's sister-in-law is Herodias, right? Marrying your brother's wife, that makes the wife your sister-in-law. She's also, in that confused world that they lived in, Herod's niece, as is Salome, also Herod's niece. Herodias is royalty, but John, on the other hand, is an itinerant preacher dressed in camel's hair and whose breath stank of locusts and wild honey. You remember that description of him. To her, he was not a prophet or a righteous and holy man. What he was was a troublesome reminder that she and Herod had flouted the laws of Moses to indulge their erotic desires. And John seemingly had Herod in the palm of his hand, and he would not stop quoting from Leviticus. Even though he was chained and imprisoned, he would not, in contemporary terms, stop speaking truth to power. But then as now, the truth must be spoken. It cannot remain unsaid, for without the light of truth, the darkness of lies and big and small falsehoods prevails. Illusions and delusions cloud our vision. We rationalize what we know to be wrong and excuse the inexcusable and vain attempts to quiet the troubling voices within. At our worst, we destroy the one who holds up the mirror that unsettles our souls. This is often the way of the world. In today's gospel, with this intrigue and its triangulations, Herod, Herodias, Salome, Salome, Herodias, the crowd, John the Baptist, Herod, Herodias, triangles, working. With all that and its excess, its near-Gothic horror, all this, brothers and sisters, I believe, casts a harsh and stark light on the evil that consumes. We have an impulsive and conflicted king whose authority comes and goes depending on the venue and, shall we say, the amount of wine he's consumed. He's not troubled about flouting the laws of Moses to have Herodias, but he's so troubled about the oath that he makes in front of his companions and friends. That law that is not really written down, that he will not break even though he is the king. He could always say, I have changed my mind. But conflicted and impulsive, the ways of the world 
grind on. One of the commentators, a gentleman named uh, Clifton Black, writes this uh, about today's passage. When repentance is preached to this world's princes, do not expect them to relinquish their power, however conflicted they may be. The righteous die for reasons both valorous and vapid. John speaks his truth, but the world is not changed. He loses his head, but Herodias does not lose her throne. Truth lies slain, and the wicked rejoice in their victory. Despite my best efforts, I have struggled to give John's death a positive spin. But what is there here to inspire? They've killed the messenger and gone on about their business. Like the disciples, I weep and moan in a world shattered by murder. Lamentation is in the air. And there was nothing to do except gather John's body and give him back to the earth. The voice that cried out in the wilderness will never be heard from again. The one whose proclamation broke centuries of prophetic silence is no more. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Those were Jesus' words. And yet John was crushed by the same worldly power that even today fears truth and seeks to annihilate it, discredit it, mute it, and render it meaningless. The age-old struggle between truth and lies continues. In some quarters, they are given equal status. Absolute relativism prevails. We hear Pontius Pilate's words. What is truth? As if there can be no objective, incontrovertible truth. But what is it that we read in one of our nation's founding documents? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have wrestled with these truths. Some have legislated against them, fought against them, and I dare say in various pulpits preached against them. Still, they are with us, pulling us ever so slowly toward their realization. We hear them, just as Herod heard John's accusing voice long after he had executed the prophet and delivered his head to Salome. We hear them the same way in that great play of Shakespeare, Lady Macbeth is rubbing her hands, trying to get the blood out. Out, damn spot. Silence this convicting voice. Perhaps if there is to be good news, and our fervent hope is that in the final accounting, truth will prevail. John's death is part of the larger story of what God is doing in the world. Let the worldly kings and queens lay claim to their thrones and let them gloat over their presumed victory. Christ will reign, 
He too will be executed, but death will not hold him. His tomb will be emptied. His disciples will see him made whole. Where, O death, is your victory, wrote St. Paul. Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, let us not be too quick to embrace the final victory. So quick to run past Good Friday towards Easter that we do not consider the attempts to silence the voice of truth in our own days and times. Yes, indeed, in today's gospel, truth lies slain, and the wicked rejoice. But only for a while, brothers and sisters, only for a while. Amen.